Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Good morning. Right on two minutes past nine. You are tuned to 102.73 Triple R. It's time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. Good morning to you. My name is Bron Burton. And good morning to you. My name's Dr. Beach. How are you, Dr. Beach? I'm very well, Dr. Burton. Excellent. Very pleased to hear. Sure you are. You're looking fantastic. I'm pleased to hear you're well. Nerit is clearly well, panelling for us this morning. And I think Tim's well. Tim was on fire. He was. As always. He sees all fumble fingers, but I don't believe him. No, nah, it was he's great. Mr. Dexterous. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Glorious radio, especially the last bit, last uh, bracket. Yeah, a bit of Gloria. Several bits of Gloria. Several bits of Gloria. Uh, and thank you, Andrew, for Soulful Bits, as always. And, uh, of course, you can catch Tim and Andrew next Sunday, and you can catch Tim on Saturday too. Aren't oh. we lucky? Uh, we, we are just so fortunate. We are very fortunate. On our program today, let's launch straight in. Uh, we're going to be catching up with cabin boy Brett Ditchfield uh, via the magic of Skype. He's going to be talking about different mooring systems. So piers, wharves, jetties, of course, Flinders Jetty in particular has been in the news a bit lately. Have a little bit of an update on that one. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to find out about different forms of mooring for, for boats. I'm deeply <laughs> looking forward to that. I can tell with the <laughs> I'm, fact. I'm, 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 I'm struck for words. I'm, I'm, I'm dumbstruck. Excellent. It's going to be. It's going to be wonderful. Brett, I'm looking forward to it. So am I. What are you saying? What are you implying here, Brett? (laughs) We're then going to uh, catch up with Dave Donnelly from Killer Whales Australia and the Dolphin Research Institute uh, for just an update on what's happening with whale migration uh, because we're kind of heading right into that zone. Uh, Dave's also going to be bringing us up to speed with a, uh, a very sad story that's come out of New Zealand this week about a little baby orca that got separated from its family. Have you heard about this one? Oh, no, I haven't, it's, but I don't know if I want to. So, um, yeah, big, uh, it, it's sad. So thank you, actually, Haley, for pointing this one in uh, in my direction because I wasn't aware of it until later in the week. Thanks, Haley. Uh, so, yes, we'll catch up with Dave. Uh, then we have a very special guest who's going to be joining us. And backstory to this one, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was during Farm's uh, segment on um, a, a mass extinction event that happened, uh, which has shown up in the fossil record of sharks around the world, where diversity of shark species kind of went from being, uh, you know, at a certain level to to. to significantly smaller almost overnight and never got to the bottom of it. It's a real mystery. We're going to get Ben Francoshelli on the show at some point to talk more about that. Indeed, a very, um, yeah, topical thing. Yes. So anyway, um, a Triple R uh, listener and subscriber contacted us um, to let us know that his daughter Edie was particularly moved by this story and she loves sharks and she's come up with a five-point plan to make sure that we don't have any more extinction of sharks. And uh, it's it's pretty special, this one. And um, so we're going to have Edie on the show. Edie's eight. Uh, 
and why she's going to talk about why sharks are so important to her and um, and how she's come up with this five point plan and what she thinks we need to do to ensure their survival. Fantastic! Isn't it great to have the young listeners getting putting up their hands to be involved? It is, and there's there's another little um, another little component to Edie's story, but I'm going to let her tell that when she's on. Let's on wait air. for the surprise. Yes, and then from and then after that, I'm, 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 well, I'm going to kick off a little. I'm, I'm going to continue the shark theme. You know, but I, I like to have nice smooth segues. It's a very professional unit here. We have it Radio Marinara on a Sunday morning. I'm going to talk about sharks a little bit, shark egg cases. Mm. Uh, but then I'm going to start to talk about um, meth-addicted trout. Yeah. Interesting study which has appeared in the Journal of Experimental Biology from a group of um, scientists in the Czech Republic exposing trout to levels of methamphetamine that have been found in waterways in the Czech Republic and yeah, seeing what happens to them. They, mm. get, they start to get Jones in a bit afterwards, you know, a little bit. They, they, they get addicted. I'm going to put that on my dot point list of things to say when people say, so what do you talk about on your show? Meth addicted <laughs> trout. <laughs> yeah, so it is a bit of a divergence. It's fresh water, I'm sorry. I hope. It's all connected, Dr. Beach. It's all connected. It's all water. It's all water. Yeah. Speaking of which. Water comes from the sky. It there's does. A bit of that happening this oh week. Oh my goodness, there is. Yeah, there's a bit of uh, weather here. Would you care to do the honours? Weather here. I thought you were talking about um, weather in Europe and, and the floods. I, I just oh, want yeah. to mention. Oh, there are terrible floods in Europe and, and Germany. Yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean, there's many terrible things happening around the earth. I don't want to get. I always tend to drag things down on a Sunday morning talking about climate change and all that. But it is waking people up even more so. I think with political movement in Europe, this is caused by climate change and just you know we need to do something Angela mm. Merkel lots of people we've been saying that for a long time but it's just really hitting home on so many levels but let's get back to here yes indeed Bron it is going to be a damp around old Melbourne town this week in fact it's going to be 14 degrees today it's going to be 14 or 13 all week uh, today partly cloudy very high chance of showers in the eastern suburbs most likely during the morning medium chance elsewhere winds west 15 to 25 kilometers per hour becoming late light late in the afternoon uh, tomorrow's going to be 14 degrees, shower two developing, maybe two mils. Uh, Tuesday, we're going to have, yeah, about the same. Wednesday, 13 degrees, up to 15 mils, Bron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thursday, 14 degrees, up to four mils. So, yeah, a bit of water around coming from the sky all week. If you're heading out on the water, you'll be wanting to know what's happening with the tides at Point Lonsdale, which, of course, is the heads of Port Phillip. Uh, it is going to be a low tide at around 11 a.m. this morning, and it was a high tide of one point. Four eight meters at five twenty four a.m. Thanks, Dr. Beach, for those of you who are within five k of the water and um, fancy getting out into the water when it's raining and <laughs> yeah, the water I, temperature I, I, is I, eleven I, degrees. I, I forgot that detail <laughs> that most of us are. Um, well, we're we're all in lockdown. We well, are, those of us who are those of us who are listening in Melbourne. Yes. And well, Victoria. Victoria. Yeah, whole uh, state. Cliff's not. Cliff's not. Cliff. Cliff's um. Cliff's down in um. The deep south. He is. Casey Station. He sent us a weather report. Thanks, Cliff. Good morning, he says. The news from home, uh, home being here, is uh, crappier than usual. Uh, Damn COVID. Yes, damn COVID indeed. Anyway, to the uh, weather report. We've had four days of blizzard conditions here. Winds averaging between 50 and 70 knots. And uh, I've been out in it every morning helping um, BOM, the Bureau of Meteorology, get the weather report. And so here is the weather report for today. They're looking at seven knots. I'm glad 
settled down. Uh, seven knots south to southwesterly, gusting to eight knots. Air temperature minus 12 with a wind chill factor taking it to minus 18.6. Humidity 77%. So, uh, oh, interesting. The uh, aurora forecast has shifted. It's always sort of been on the west coast of um, Antarctica. Well, actually, it's probably more the north coast looking at it this way. And it's shifted around to the east, so... Anyway, we'll post that one on our Facebook page. So is that about normal for this time of year? What's that? The blizzards, the temperature. I don't know. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when... Um, I think so. I, I remember it was like the wind chill was close to minus 50 this morning, minus yeah. 18, so relatively balmy in Erida. I bet they're out there in their... <laughs> yeah. I reckon Cliff will send a message. In their Tony Abbott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cliff, Cliff's... There's at, an image for us all. Cliff's at Casey, isn't he, or is it Davis? Because his name's Cliff Davis. I always want to say he's at Davis, but no, he's no, at he's Casey. No, he's at Casey. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon Cliff gets that a lot. Um, it's nearly 10 minutes past nine. I've done it too. Um, very quick update and then we're going to hear a track. Uh, this is about the Flinders Pier. So trying to get someone on during the week. Um, they're flat chat busy, of course. We're all now in lockdown. Um, they are looking to get someone to speak to us in the next few weeks. Um, their community consultation period runs through August. So there's certainly uh, time to talk about this one and uh, we'll continue to pursue this. But the Parks Victoria Regional Director, Marine and Maritime, Jo Richards. So I've got a quote from her here. Parks Victoria has commissioned the Flinders Jetty Marine Ecology Survey and Jetty Removal Impact Assessment to examine any impacts the old jetty's removal will have on marine life and assist in identifying mitigation strategies. We know locals and visitors alike treasure the many incredible marine species below Flinders Jetty. We're committed to working with the local community council and the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. So that's what we've got from Parks Vic for now. We'll continue to to follow this one through. We will. Good morning, Brad. Do you really? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do, we do. It, it's been a while since I've been out of the cabin, but I'm thinking it mightn't <laughs> be a good idea. We've got, you know, COVID in our general area. We've got 70 knot winds down in Antarctica, and then um, you go down to the water and you've got to deal with drug-dealing fish. So, well, No, they're not drug-dealing. They're just consumers. Yet. Yet. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Do you yeah, think yeah, the, with you. is yeah. the universe trying to send us a message, Brett? I don't know. It's a bit safer and warmer in the cabin, I think. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're going to talk about different mooring systems today. Well, we had that big storm a couple of months ago that Dandenongs are still cleaning up from. And in that storm, there was quite a few boats that were sunk in Williamstown. The floating docks broke away. And I think there was about three or four big boats actually went down, hit the bottom. So kind of I thought we'd have a little revision of some of the mooring systems you can do, like where to park your boat. Now, I'm talking about big boats, you know, not trailer sailors. Um, basically two types. If, you are, if you're if you near the water and you're looking out and you're seeing all those boats in the water, that's called a mooring grid. Uh, that's um, controlled by Parks Victoria. So uh, you've got to apply to them to get a mooring there. And you pay them a, a, an annual fee, and you've also got to get that mooring uh, kind of inspected every year. But as someone said, it's quite clever how they get the boats to face all in the one direction, mm. So, uh, which was kind of cute, I thought. Brett, Brett can, um, I, can I jump in here? So a mooring grid, I'm just trying to picture it. Is that something that you might say Docklands or it's in Kilda Marina or that's entirely different? That's entirely different. The marine, well, there is a little mooring grid in the uh, St Kilda Marina, but uh, if you're just offshore, you'll see all the boats parked out, normally in a little inlet or that. Cryo Bay's got a couple. Um, you'll probably see, if there's a cluster of boats out there, that's called a mooring field. So, And as I said, it's controlled by Parks Victoria. So is it kind of like a car park for boats? 
Just about, but it's well, it is. It's like a supermarket car park. You just park them out there, but uh, it's all controlled strictly by Parks Victoria, and there is a small fee, so it does cost you to park your boat there. Basically, it's a big chunk of weight, metal kind of concrete dropped onto the bottom with a chain on it and a mooring buoy that's registered, so you know which one's yours. Right. Um, you've all, well, you've mentioned the marina. There's a couple of um, there's quite a few marinas around, mainly controlled by yacht clubs. So, and there's um, so basically a shore based structure that you tie your boat up to. There's a couple of different ones, such as the floating one that had a little bit of trouble. The floating ones, a couple of big pylons, and then a floating dock in between. So as the tide rises and falls, your boat that's tied to it rises and falls also. So the big advantage of that is you don't have to loosen your lines as the tide goes because if you pull up to a rigid structure on a high tide as that tide goes down, if you haven't loosened off your ropes, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. your boat's going to be left hanging if it's uh, a really big tide. Is there um, is there a bit of a, a, a method to ensuring, you know, in terms of the, how big your boat is, how deep the hull is, when you know the tide is at the lowest and of course the, the there's going to be daily fluctuation in in the the height of the tides as well is, is there a bit of a science to working out working out how to do it how to work with it there is well it, it's all online the um the low tide the high tide it's not so much hitting the bottom it's the ropes attaching to the pier as they as the boat drops down they're all going to tighten up so you've always got to loosen your lines a bit if you're on a high tide on a falling tide you started so, that off by saying it's all online. I thought you were saying, oh, just Google it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> title what, times and too. the title depth. Google it. Yeah, we're talking about different lines there. Right, okay, good. Different to what your fish is doing too. So, yeah, different right, lines Right, okay, there. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's also a pen that you can go into. Um, a lot of the Royal Yacht Clubs, the older ones, have got that. So it's basically just four posts. You park your boat in and then you put four lines and you're just suspended amongst that four posts so you don't bang up against the pier or that. Very important. So, yes, a little tricky to get into if you haven't got your lines right and it's uh, almost as good as watching the uh, what goes on at the um, at the boat ramp, trying to some yeah. of the boats trying to tie up and then yeah. people get yeah. on and off over the bow or stern. Um, <laughs> do you know your wharfs, the difference between your wharfs and your docks? No idea. No, no idea. <laughs> Well, because this is interesting because everyone calls it a pier. You know, anything in the water is a pier, basically. <laughs> or a jetty. That's true. Or a jetty. Well, that's that's interesting because there's a little – well, I'm going to get to piers and jetties because they're quite similar. But we'll go back to a wharf, which is just a wooden structure parallel to the shoreline. So all the big commercial docks have got a wharf for the big ships to pull up to. Um, a key is similar to a wharf parallel to the shore, but it's normally – you know, with filled with rocks, so an ex- extension of the land. So think along the riverbanks and that when they extend the riverbanks out into deeper water for the boats to pull along. Now, piers and jetties, this is where it gets a little difficult because a pier is built on piles and it extends from the shore out. But so does a jetty. But the difference with a jetty is its main purpose is to influence the current or the tides to protect oh. the harbour or the beach. Oh. Yeah. But when I p- apply that to the jetties and piers I know, I don't think it kind of stacks up. This is from um, Wikipedia that I got that ruling from. Uh-oh. Right. Uh-oh. I know. So little kind of hang on. But like what I thought was a pier, a lot of people are calling a jetty and so forth. So it's a bit of a grey area, that one. Where it, are they? A- who's calling it a jetty? Well, I looked up the longest uh, pier in Victoria, 
Mm. And that's the uh, the long jetty at Port Welshpool. I would have called that a pier under those uh, definition, but it's actually a jetty. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, Is who that knows? about when it was built? Like that was its purpose when it was built? It was built to um, get out into the deeper water for the boats to moor to. But sometimes the piers have what's called like barge boards along the bottom to stop the waves coming through. So what looks mm. like up here may be a jetty for that reason. So it's on piles, but oh, it's got so it looks, down yeah, the side. Right. So it looks, like a, it looks like a pier, but if you got down deeper, you'd actually see boards preventing yeah, flow through water. A good example of that is um, Port Arlington. That's a jetty because that's built there as part of the breakwater to stop the waves coming through, but it looks like a pier. This, that, is, this is hellishly complicated, Brett. I, I know. I, 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 this is the start of a PhD, I think, if we saw you all this out. Well, I just, you know, if you wanted to impress someone, I thought we could go through this, but now I've just confused myself and everyone else. So no, no, I think we're all, really, we're all very impressed. You, talk, you mentioned barge boards, and I'm thinking like barge boards I've heard about on houses. Like, So do barge boards on houses get their names from the barge boards on a jetty or is it a pier? I would say so. Also a barge board. Or a barge. Board, or a barge. Or a barge. <laughs> well, I think it is because what would happen if you'd come alongside a, a pier – you would put two fenders out and then a long bit of timber to stop your boat banging against the pier, and that's called a barge board. So I guess from the barge and I guess from the early 1700s or that, most of our language can be taken back to marine talking, like from the early 1700s and that. So it's quite surprising how um, the common marine terms we've got in our in our common lexicon. So, yeah, hey, I'd hey, say so. Hey, Brett, we've got a question from another Brett who's just yep. sent this through uh, – through um through to us via our Facebook page. Um, Brett says moorings, I've tried to get a public one at Portsea, but there are never any available. Is this because you can't you can rent a mooring forever without actually using it effectively, thereby reserving it for yourself? Yeah, this is a problem because a lot of people put an old wreck of a boat onto um kind of keep their mooring. Like they don't need the mooring anymore and they don't want to give it up. Oh. So they put an old wreck on it wow. to kind of They're So if you of... haven't got a boat on it, technically you're supposed to give it up. It's a tricky one because that is a common complaint that there's not enough moorings and people are on there for too long. So I think if you ring Parks Victoria They'll move that boat along and there are public moorings in quite a few of the marine parks too that you can just pull up to and use for 24 hours or something, but you must move on from there. And they do this to stop the boats from anchoring in like sensitive marine areas to stop it churning up the bottom. Mm. So I think the best thing is to get onto Parks Victoria and uh, inquire there. It's You probably won't have much luck, but that is the official agent for those public moorings. Is there a definition of what size boat can be pulled up to the mooring? Yeah, they'll have a rating on it. And also, if you apply to put a mooring down, you've got to size it correctly to that boat that is going on it. You've got to name the boat and the, the weight and the size of the boat before you apply for a mooring. I think it may be quite tricky to get new moorings down too. It's, yeah, they're, they're quite rare. Hmm. Have we covered them all, Brett? I think we have. Oh, we have the longest jetty in the world, and that's at Bustleton Jetty down in um, over in Western Australia. So we do claim the longest jetty, which could be a pier, but they're calling it a jetty. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to that jetty slash pier. Two K. Did you walk to the yeah. end? Yeah, I didn't get to the end. I was so annoyed. <laughs> so I got halfway along, and because this was the whole big thing, I deliberately went there to walk along the biggest jetty in the world, and they were they were doing works on it, and so oh, they closed oh, no. it off. 
one kilometer in with no sign at the at the entrance to say <laughs> that they were doing it. Was oh, that's grumpy. like the roadworks all around Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was checking that out the other day, Bustleton Jetty. So yeah, sort of, How long yeah, is long, it? longest but two and a half. Two k and a half. Two k. Right. Go take a cut lunch. To get oh the yeah, end. more. <laughs> you do. Backpack, but they've got a really great marine discovery centre out out the, I think the end of it or the base of it somewhere on it. Well, I don't know. I never got to the end of it, so <laughs> maybe. I, th- I think well, I'm right with one. that, Brett. This was a long time ago, so I haven't yep. never been to Western Australia. That's one thing on my list that I must do. But the Long Jetty at Porsche Wells Pool is full of history too, and they're kind of making that a big tourist resort too. So that's well worth the trip down because it's curved too, which is very odd for a jetty or a pier to be curved. So the uh, Port Welsh Pool has a curve on the end. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. All right. I'm going to, yeah, I'm listening uh, in for the uh, drug-addicted fish. So it's going to be very, <laughs> very, very interesting. Well, before we do that, we're going to catch up with Dave Donnelly to talk about um, about cetaceans and uh, and this poor little baby orca. And, uh, and then we've got our very special guest, Edie, who's going to be joining us. So stay tuned, Brett. It's great catching up with you as always, and we'll do it again soon. No worries. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thanks, Bye, Brett. cabin boy. Our cabin boy there. Hey, Dave Donnelly, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Doctors Beach and Bron. How are you? <laughs> I'm very, very well. How are you guys? Yeah, pretty good. Hey, what's what's cooking? Shall we start with um, general whale migration activities? What's been going on? I guess there's all sorts of stuff going on still around our coastline right now. And uh, as, as recently as yesterday, we had uh, a whale in the bay here in Port Phillip and uh, a few humpbacks passing by the Mornington Peninsula coast, all uh, reported by people who obviously are very lucky to live by the water uh, these days. So uh, we are still seeing a, quite a good influx of animals coming through in the migration. Of course, our southern right whales are at the peak of their migration in terms of how far north they go. And they're doing well also. There's now two calves down on the west west coast of Victoria and about eight between eight and eleven we think southern right whales hanging around that sort of western Victoria region which is just great news fantastic Dave I'm always astounded when you say there's a whale in the bay somebody's seen one it's fantastic it's southern right do you think well look we, we got some footage a uh, day ago, I think it was, off um, McRae, McRae Boat Ramp, and it looks very much like a southern right whale tail out of the water. And then last night, about uh, or late afternoon, there was a whale in very close, about 200 metres off the beach at uh, Sunnyside. And, of course, we all know what Sunnyside's famous for, and it wasn't me making that observation in the cold weather. Um, but we think that this, these two sightings could be linked, which would be quite, uh, quite incredible. Dr Beach and I have got two different facial expressions right now which indicate that I know what Sunnyside is, but he doesn't. So would you care to enlighten? Uh, well, look, Sunnyside Beach is a, a place where patrons of our good community um, uh, lack, well, what shall we say, Bron, um, they, the, 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 appropriate, the appropriate clothing. I can do this beach. I'm going to get down there. I love, I love those beaches for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you as a uh, Mornington resident, Dr Beach, that it's probably not appropriate weather for the nudist uh, beach today, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> go for your life. <laughs> Getting right out there amongst the elements, fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely, just back in the day. Um, so let's move on to, um, oh, we probably should have started this one, so let's uh, let's make sure we finish on a good note. But um, uh, yeah, look, thanks to, uh, to Hayley for pointing this out to me during the week. Um, very sad story about a baby orca in New Zealand. Can you... Give us a little uh, a rundown of what's happened and if you've possibly got an update, that would be great too. Yeah, look, it's um, another one of those uh, 
whale or marine mammal welfare um, issues that we're, we're currently in at the moment, or at least they are in, in New Zealand. And the most recent news that I have, um, and I'm, obviously I'm not there, is that the animal is, is stable and has been moved to a, um, a pool, if you like, a, a protected area as uh, some foul weather passes through. But we're, but we're now at day six of having a, a killer whale, a dependent calf, um, away from its family group, away from, more importantly, away from its mother, in the hands of humans uh, doing their best to try and make the animal um, comfortable and be able to release it back to the wild successfully. But, of course, the only way you can release a dependent calf back to the wild successfully is if you know where its mother is. And at the moment, the answer is no one knows where the mother is. So things are not looking great for that animal. And it, it's, it's a really important conversation to be having. Um, we've had it here in Victoria before and in Australia. Is At what point do we make the decision for the animal rather than for the people? Um, and, and it may sound like a, a, a weird thing to say, but it is true that whale strandings bring out uh, great passion in people. They, everybody wants to save the whale. And, of course, that's always the priority, um, to try and save the whale. But we, we mustn't forget that animal welfare overrides human need or human want. Um, we all want a great outcome. There's no question about that. But we don't want it to be at the cost of animal welfare. So I think that that's something that needs to be in the conversation. I, I, by that, I, I imagine you're talking about there might be a time where we have to euthanise the calf. Um, look, it's, it's one of the options that needs to be on the table. Um, it's only one of several, but we know very little about how to raise um, cetaceans-dependent calves. And the, the, the key here is if you cannot find the mother, what then do you do? And yeah. euthanasia is, is, yes, Dr Beach, you're, you're 100% correct. But some people would argue, no, we, we need to raise the calf for them. Who's going to teach it to be a whale? Yeah, mm. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Well, let's stay tuned on that one. And, um, and we'll catch up with you again soon, Dave. I'm looking forward to, uh, to catching up with you in general. Have we, got, have we got a good news story to finish on? Well, what's a good news story? Well, I can tell you that the common dolphins of Mornington, because uh, I'm, I'm now down here, are coming back into the coast. At this time of year, they do move into the the coastline following prey, usually um, juvenile garfish, uh, sandy sprat, species like that. And um, you can now watch them from the cliffs with ease, as long as the weather's good. Um, they're anywhere between sort of 100 and 500 metres off the coast. They can be a bit further as well, but they've moved in as they do each year. So if you're in the Mornington area, living down here right now, that's a great pastime while you're exercising along the cliff tops. And when, shutdown, when lockdown finishes, come on down and see our beautiful common dolphins of Mornington. And if you happen to be living down that way and you're within your 5K and you happen to see some, feel free to take some photos from the shore and send them our way because we'd love to put them on our Facebook page. Absolutely, and we'd love to know about it too. So, yeah, double banger there. Good on you, Bron. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. As always, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Have Thanks. a great day. You too. See ya. See you, Dave. Dave Donnelly there, Killer Whales Australia and Dolphin Research Institute. Estamos escuchando Radio Marinara en 3 R. Indeed, that is where you are. And if you've just tuned in, we're just listening to Tragically Hip from uh, their album Music at Work back in 2000 and that song Sharks.
It is 9.40 and you're listening to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were contacted via our Facebook page by a RRR subscriber who wanted to let us know that his daughter Edie was deeply concerned about the plight of endangered sharks and that she'd come up with a five-point plan to save them. Well, we were so impressed with Edie's passion and her plan to prevent shark extinction, we thought we'd better see if she'd like to come on the show and talk to us about it. So we're going to cross now to speak with Edie and her dad Felix about Edie. Edie's passion for sharks, her plan for us to stop any more shark extinctions and what she hopes to do to spread the word to ensure their survival. Good morning, Edie. It's lovely to see you. Good morning. And I've got Dr Beach here with me as well. Good morning, Edie. Good morning. Um, Now, look, thank you so much for joining us. I know you want to tell us about where you are, which country you're on. So shall we start with that? Yeah, I'm on the Wallerong country. Good for you. And we're on, uh, we're on. Uh, I was going to say Bunurong country because that's where I live, but we're on, uh, we're on Wurundjeri country here at Triple R. Yep. Sorry, I've just got, I've got our, our, our team radio office. It's on the background. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, look. Before we start, um, we have something very special to share with people listening, and uh, we're going to talk about sharks. But we also, we're going to start talking about your grandpa, who was a very special person. Can you tell us about your grandpa, Edie? He was the ghost he ran the skull cave. <laughs> so I've been keeping this, wow. a spe- this a secret from uh, wow, people wow, here wow. in the studio. Oh, wow, wow, wow. My goodness, I saw the name Walker. That's a very special last name that you have, Edie. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's wonderful that you're here with us, Edie, and um, and that your dad, Felix, he's in the background too. Hey, Felix. Hey, how are you, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for reaching out Hi, to us. Me. What's that? I said hi to Dr. Beach. Hello, how you going? Hi, Felix. Yeah. All right, let's let's get into it, Edie. And um, actually, first question for you, Felix, when you reached out to us to let us know about Edie and her plan to save sharks, we had no idea um, of your background. And when you told me that Edie had some pretty solid broadcasting genes, I still didn't work it out. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did very well to keep that one from us. Yeah, well, I wanted her to be on the radio of her own merit. Yeah, exactly uh, yeah, right. And, and that is exactly why she's here. All right, Edie, let's get to you. So um, the sharks and how this plan all came about, and we were, you and I were talking yesterday, not on air, um, but when I was at home, and you mentioned you were listening to Radio Marinara a few weeks ago and you heard us talking about sharks that have become extinct. Can you tell us about that? Um, when I first heard it, um, I thought I should write um, a list of how we could save our sharks because um, my class 23B um, saved Jelleringa. So I thought, why can't we save sharks? And I don't want any more sharks to become them, um, like the Megalodon going full extinct. Now, what was it that your class worked to save? Jelleringa, um, the Bowenheads um, Wildlife Sanctuary. Okay, so you, you um, live in Bowenheads sometimes, don't you? Um, yeah, sorry, um, sorry, I'm in, um, in Newcombe with my dad, yep. um, and I'm with my mum and I'm in Bowenheads. Yeah, that's wonderful. And well, good on you and good on your class for working so hard to help that sanctuary as well. Now, you mentioned the Megalodon. Tell us about the Megalodon. So, um, the Megalodon is fully wiped out and um, I don't want, want, like, great white sharks, bull sharks, whale sharks, any type of sharks to... Um, dwarf legend shark to become the meg- like the megalodon going full wiped out. Yeah. Now let's talk about sharks in general. Why do you love sharks so much? What is it about uh, them? Most people think they're scary, but they're not. Um, when um people think about shark attacks, like um 
so they can people can get in the way of um sharks hunting for real prey, and and then or um people um can be mistaken for seals. Yeah, that's right. So some it's an accident, isn't it? They've got yeah. they've got a pretty bad reputation, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they've got such a bad reputation? Because people can get in the way of shark um um shark um getting real prey like from the ocean. Um and um they can also be mis- people can also be mistaken for seals. Yeah, that's right. Um have you always loved sharks eating or is this something that you've become more aware of recently? Um something I've become more aware of recently. Okay. Um, let's talk about sharks and different types of sharks because you've done a lot of research for this and yep. I know that because your dad sent me a photo during um, the week or last couple of weeks of you with a, with a very special book. Can you tell us about the book you've got? Um, it's called Sharks, about all sharks in Australian waters. Yeah. And um. <laughs> we dropped the book. <laughs> for, for the listeners out there, Edie's in the kitchen. We're getting a fantastic image here of Edie in the kitchen showing us the um, Australian Ge- Geographic book, Australia's Amazing Sharks. And Edie, it's just, I'm loving your kitchen. I'm loving you. This is really, really fantastic to see somebody who is enjoying sharks, who's appreciating sharks. So what, what, you, what you've got a five-point plan we've heard about. What you... I've got it here. Okay, so let's get to this five-point plan. And uh, this has all happened because you want to make sure there's no more extinction events, Yeah. So, um, and we've talked about your book. So let's get straight to the uh, the five-point plan. You were actually going to present this to your class during the week. Is that right? Yeah, yeah and then holidays happened and then um, we got we had to go into lockdown because someone at my school had the coronavirus and we all had to get tested. Yeah, it's difficult times, Dr Beach. Uh, difficult times, very difficult but, uh, times. Luckily, all our results already came back and they were negative. Oh, excellent. That's, that's really good news. Yeah. You, oh, said, you said to be coping pretty well, Edie. You're looking, yeah. you're looking like you're okay, looking good? Yeah. Yep. All right, let's get to the five-point plan. What's the first point on your plan? Stop climate change. All right, let's talk a little bit about climate change to start with. What's the problem with climate change? And um, People keep on um, throwing toxic gases in the air and it's um, polluting, um, like hurting wildlife and ocean animals. It's, you couldn't have put it. I couldn't have put it more succinctly. That it's just, yep, number one plant. First thing, first thing on the list. Great. Yep. Yep. And how do you think we can do some things to address the problem of climate change, Edie? Um, we can educate and inform people what they're doing and and how they're um, harming the ocean. Do you um do you talk about climate change at school? Um, sometimes. Yeah. And what do your friends think about climate change? Um, I'm not sure. No, maybe this is something that you can go back and talk to your class about because you've got yeah. some friends listening. We'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. Yeah. All right, let's go to the second point of your plan. Stop overfishing. Right. What's the problem with overfishing? Um, some people can go fishing for sharks um, and there's a um, number of sharks you're allowed to catch and some people are going over that limit and we need to inform and educate them what they're doing. And this is a problem that happens all around the world, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're only fishing them for shark fin soup. So they're taking the fin off and they're throwing them back and later that afternoon they die. Right, so this is the... the morning. And this is point three of your plan, isn't it? Um, stop overfishing. Yep. And it, and it, point two. Stop, um, and um, the, th- 
digest it easier. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter if they lose a tooth or two because they can get more, just produce a lot more. So they can start eating more. Yep. Have you got another fact for us? Um, Loving these fun facts about sharks. Um, there's one about megalodon. Um, there's a picture of a megalodon tooth next to a um, great white's tooth. Yeah. What's the difference in size? <gasps> wow! For those That's who amazing. can't see, <laughs> I've just taken a photo, and we'll um, we'll we'll uh, share this one. The megalodon's tooth is about the size of an adult hand, and yeah. the, and the great white shark tooth is about the size of the same person's thumb. Oh wow! Yeah. That's a huge difference, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Amazing. When was the last time? There, wasn't there a megalodon skeleton or a fossil found? We'll do some. In the 1800s or something? We might look into that. Do you know that, Edie? Um, That's a question from Nerida. Mm. Do you know if there's been a megalodon fossil found? No. How about we... Um, can you do some research into megalodons and will you come back and tell us yeah. more? Um, and I've got one more fact about whale sharks. Sure. No, no, nobody has ever seen a whale shark mate or give birth. <gasps> wow. And one really knows how many babies are... A whale shark can give birth too. I didn't know that, Doctor Beach. I didn't know that either, Eddie. I've got one last question for you. What yeah. do you want? What do you want to do when you leave school? Um, I'm not sure yet. I either <laughs> want to be an archaeologist or a vet. Archaeologist or vet? Okay, nice. Right, nice. Do you know what? I would love to have you back on the show, Edie, because I know you particularly, you also love the Mariana Trench. And I don't know if you know that the song that we just played actually has some references to the Mariana Trench. <laughs> In fact, it has references to sharks and the Mariana Trench. So um, we'll, we'll make sure you, I'll send you a link to it so you can have a listen. I've also got one more fact. Yep. Yeah. A certain type of shark, um, when they're kids, um, um, they can, um, when they're inside um, the mother's belly, they can they eat each other until there's only one left inside the belly. Oh. <gasps> wow. Cookie shark. Cookie shark. That's, <laughs> uh, that's a bit scary. Hey, Dr. Beach, should we... Should we I, I reckon should... we should keep going. Eddie, are you busy for the next five minutes? Do you mind sticking with us till the end of the show? Because I've got, I've got a couple of fun fuck sh- sh- fun, fun. <laughs> <laughs> shark facts. Yeah. Well, one fun shark fact. I was going to talk about... Trout on drugs, but I don't think I might save that for a little bit later. Uh, we can put something up on the Facebook um, site for people who are interested in that. But there's another. I, what I do is I like to read scientific papers, and there was one I found this week, which is about sharks, but it's about the shark embryo cases. You know, shark egg cases that you might find on the beach. So there yeah. are some sharks, like Port Jackson sharks. Um, one that you might be familiar with, you see these kind of like leathery sort of collagen, collagenous shark yep. egg cases um, on the beach. Well, um, like elephant shark eggs and stingray eggs. That's yep. what they look like. You're all over it. You're absolutely all over it. Yeah, the, yeah. Like sharks and rays, they might have these things. Not all sharks and rays, but a lot of them do. And you've seen them on the beach. And the little embryo, the eggs develop in there, and then the embryos come out, and you've got little baby sharks in there, and they're in the water for probably a couple of months. But that's one of the da- that's one of the dangerous periods for them. So Port Jackson sharks, for example, elephant sharks, about 90, 95% of them get nailed in that. But what they have to do when they're little baby sharks in these egg cases is that they have to swim around a bit in there. They have to jiggle backwards and forwards so that they get the water flowing through. Otherwise, they're not going to breathe. They're going to suffocate and they need that, you know, that breathing just like we all do, Edie. 
What some clever scientists did was that they wondered what it would be like when the seas get warmer for these egg cases, well, for the embryonic sharks, for the baby sharks that are in these egg cases. So what they did was they increased the temperature by about 5 degrees and they found that these little sharks in there, they had a bit of a problem because what they normally want to do, these little embryonic sharks, baby sharks when they're in the egg case, if they see a predator come past, like something, it might even be another shark that wants to munch them, what they do is they freeze. Can you freeze on screen now, Eddie? Oh, good job. Yeah, I can see it. You're freezing. You're not moving a muscle. But when these baby sharks, if they do that, if they freeze, they really can't breathe because the water's not flowing through the egg case. What happens when the temperature goes up, and people have done experiments like this in tanks with these sharks in these egg cases, when they put up the temperature, the sharks can only hold that freezing motion for a very tiny amount of time. It's like seven times less the amount of time that they can freeze when... It's a normal temperature. So what people are worried about from this is that when the temperature goes up, these baby sharks are going to be preyed upon more because they're not going to be able to hold this feeding motion, this freezing motion. They're going to wriggle around a bit so that they can breathe and someone's going to nail them. Maybe another shark, maybe another fish is going to eat them and there'll be less of these sharks. So what I love about this, Edie, is that your very first point of your five-point plan is about addressing climate change. And what Dr Beach has just told us is that as as the water temperature, you know, as waters get warmer, it's a real problem for sharks. So you're absolutely spot on with your first point of your plan that we need to address climate change in order to protect the sharks. Yep. So, and that's what the scientists are telling us. So you've got scientists who are saying exactly the same thing as you are. So that's fantastic. Hey, um, we're, we're kind of running out of time and I want to talk a little bit about the Mariana Trench. Can you give us one quick fun fact about Mariana Trench? It's the deepest place on Earth and um, Mount, whole Mount Everest could fit inside with um, a little bit of space left. Wow, that's just amazing. Hey, can you hold up that book again just so I can let people know where you've been getting all your fun facts? All right, so this is Australian Geographic, Australia's Amazing Sharks. And just drop it down a little bit so we can see your face because I'm going to take a photo of you with it as well. I'm going to take one more because there we go. And then that way you'll be able to – I'll send this photo to you, yeah? Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, I know that your class and your teachers are listening today. Would you like to send out a message to them? Um. <laughs> but will you come back you and talk Monday. to us more, Edie? <laughs> yeah. You will. And Felix, thanks so much for reaching out and for um for for getting us in touch with you and with Edie. Yeah, thanks for having her on. And Edie, I reckon your grandpa would be super proud of you. He would be Edie. Edie, you do good radio. You do very good radio. And will you come back and join us again? Yeah. Because we would absolutely love for you to join us again. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye for Bye. now. There we go. That was um, yeah, yeah. That was that. That was Edie from she, where was she beaming to us from? Barwon Heads, somewhere else, Northcote, down maybe? Geelong Way, down Geelong Way. Yeah, yep. yep. Brilliant. Edie and being the granddaughter of our very own Stephen, Stephen Walker. Stephen Walker. God rest his soul. Something special for us all. Uh, thank you, Doctor Beach. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Nerida, very much. Thank you to Kent, who will have our program up as a podcast uh, sometime today. Thank you, Edie, very much. Uh, it was wonderful having you with us. Uh, thanks also to Dave Donnelly and to Brett Ditchfield. On our program next week, we'll have Neil Blake talking about baykeeping. We're going to have a chat to Andrew Gaynor, who's a special curator of this wonderful exhibition the uh, of Lost Bayside. And uh, stay tuned for Radiotherapy. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. 
Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.